Hello and welcome to the Vorthos cast. I'm Jay Anelli. I'm Lorelai Weissel-Labrizzi. I'm Carrie Thomas. And I'm Ethan Fleischer. <gasps> Ethan! So we have a special guest today. Uh, the man himself, the one who has the like complete collection of magic lore, <laughs> and that's what he's here to talk to us about, uh, Ethan Fleischer from Wizards of the Coast. Hi, Ethan. Hi, thanks for having me on the show. So what do you, act- let's start for people who might not know who you are. I don't know how, if you listen to this podcast, we reference you regularly, <laughs> but uh, for people who, who might not know who you are, can you tell us uh, who you are and what you do with Wizards of the Coast? Uh, I am Ethan Fleischer. I'm a senior game designer at Wizards of the Coast. I design magic sets. I'm mostly responsible for the mechanical design of magic cards and sort of the the vision for individual card sets. Uh, I do a little moonlighting with the world building team, though. So sometimes I'll do a little uh, writing of world guides or top lining cards. Uh, I've even done a little names and flavor text here and yeah, there. Yeah, that was fun. So it is. Um, and I do have the distinction of having an extremely complete collection of Magic <laughs> the Gathering novels and comic books, etc. It's not totally comprehensive, but it is very close to comprehensive. It's good enough for me. Well, now I want to know what you're missing. Yeah, what are you missing? Do you have a list? I don't have the Alpha Rule Book. Oh, uh, okay. Okay. I don't have the most recent issues of the Boom comic because I like to get them in hardcover. Mm-hmm. So I'm waiting for those. But uh, those are the only two things I can think of off the top of my head. Oh, those are those. Well, the Alpha one is not so easy, but the the Booms, yeah, they'll come. That's fine. It's true. All right. So uh, we when we reached out, basically, I asked what you would want to talk about if we had you back on the show. Uh, and you said you wanted to talk about the stories of Dominaria and where they came from. So do you want to start us off? Right. So Dominaria is huge. And the uh, number of books and stories taking place in Dominaria is also huge. Uh, when we were uh, working on the Dominaria set from 2018, it was like this massive problem. Like, how could we even find everything? Fortunately, someone out there has already done most of the work for us. <laughs> and that person is Baron Bohr with their Multiverse in Review blog, which has a huge list of storyline sources and reviews and sort of annotates everything. So uh, that was a tremendous resource for us as we were working on Dominaria. And that was sort of the, the impetus for me to try to research everything about Dominaria. I just wanted to read it all. I was like, somebody should know all this stuff, which, you know, <laughs> it's actually not reasonable for anybody to know all this stuff. But it's uh, really not. I, I figured why not? <laughs> it is. It is a whole lot. I, I will say, you know, we've got Dominaria United coming up. There were a couple times like, I, I think we should check like with Ethan on this one just in case. Um but yeah, Birend has actually finished up through the mending, uh, like every story source that it was published. Uh, so basically from the beginning of Magic up through 2007, 2008, somewhere in there? 2007, uh, I think. Yeah, that sounds about right. I think 8 is when Future Sight was out, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that sounds about right. So yeah, so what was the what was the first Magic story, Ethan, that takes... I mean... I guess we should explain uh, most of the early magic story up until like 2003-ish. Yes. To, uh, took place on Dominaria. But so what was... Right, the- a lot of it did. 
What was the first Dominaria story? The first Dominaria story is also my first magic story that I encountered, which was Arena, the first of those Harper Prism uh, magic novels. Uh, I admit that after reading Arena, I didn't have much interest in ever reading another magic novel again. <laughs> but uh, years later, it was my job to do so. I decided I needed to read a bunch of them to do my job better. And I was pleasantly surprised that many of the novels are much better than Arena was. <laughs> now, I know there's some Arena fans here in the, uh, in the podcast, both recording and listening to, I suspect. So... Uh, I, I think we should mix it up for a minute about this. Unfortunately, Magic <sighs> likes to reuse words a lot, so I'm just here chuckling in my head like, do I have a good joke for, oh, I'm actually an arena dev, but uh, it's not that funny. <laughs> arena probably ranks number one out of the four early Harper Prism novels. <laughs> like it's, it's hard to compare it once they kind of shifted focus. We have a comment in the chat that says, I genuinely like it better than MTGO. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So honestly, my favorite arena is actually the one that Ethan did work on, uh, just because I'm a huge Heroescape fan. Oh, no. Yes. Yeah, I got to bring it up every oh, time. Right. Ethan's arena of the Planeswalkers, <laughs> the miniatures game. But they canceled right before Kaladesh. I'll always be mad about that. And whenever Ethan's oh, on this too. podcast, I'm going to bring it up. Uh, the Kaladesh expansion was going to be totally sweet. <sighs> I don't mean to rub it in, but it was going to be the best one. Well, I actually just got like all my old Heroescape stuff back. Apparently, I had left a bunch of it at a friend's house and only just got it back three years after moving back to Maryland because of COVID and stuff. So, yeah, that's awesome. Uh, no, but Arena is uh, a novel. It establishes some things about Planeswalkers that are not quite the same going forward. It also, like, ends super weirdly. Like, if I remember correctly, I only vaguely remember the ending of this novel. That doesn't, like, the main character, Garth, like, just disappear for, like, five years. And then, the like, the last chapter is him coming back. No, I think that was uh, Urza in the Brothers War novel. Uh, well, no, Urza does that, too. But, no, there's, like, a time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's, like, a time skip in, in the, at the very end of the novel. Where, like, he disappears with Kuthaman to fight him, but then, I don't know, whatever. Um, but it's a book. It was. It was a book, and uh, it, I, we certainly got to make a cool Garth One-Eye magic card based on it. <laughs> so after Arena, there was a trilogy of novels about Green Sleeves and Gull, who were these uh, these folks who started a popular uprising against the tyranny of wizards and planeswalkers. Uh, which was an interesting choice for a, uh, a game that uh, wanted you to identify with being a wizard or a planeswalker. <laughs> yeah. uh, so that was Whispering Woods, Shattered Chains, and Final Sacrifice. These uh, these books roamed around Erona and went to Lotnam a little bit, and I think they even went into Phyrexia a little bit. Oh yeah, my god! For a hot second. Um, yeah. Did you did you have any insight as to why every planeswalker wanted to stop being a planeswalker? Like, just Kurt swear off their powers? Yeah, I guess uh, there's just too much power. It was too heady <laughs> and uh, just uh, couldn't. It's too much for one person. Just isn't right. <laughs> it was the mana burn. That was probably the real oh, reason. Yeah. He just got tired of it. Doesn't Greensleeves herself end up becoming a planeswalker too? Right. Her planeswalker spark ignites and then she channels it into the land of Latnam, which had been poisoned and ruined by the uh, the weapons used during the Brothers' War. 
and she healed the land from all that poison by channeling her spark into it. <laughs> so I'm w- once again hit by the part where like we can talk about the story of the Brothers War, even though the set doesn't come out until <laughs> later this year, and three of us on this podcast are under NDAs, and it's just a weird space. Spoiler warning for the Brothers War: There's going to be a bunch of war and destruction. <laughs> No. It's it. I I I explained, you know, the big picture of the Brothers War today, and and the nutshelling is like a lot of people die very tragic and worthless deaths, and it's just not a good time for literally anyone. Yeah. It's bleak. It's bleak. It's like a real war. All right, we're going to skip over the next Harper Prism novel, The Cursed Land, because it does not place, take place in Dominaria. It takes place in the plain of Cridhi. Yeah, that's right. Uh, With the clan tree. All right, we go to the Prodigal Sorcerer next, which is about Tim, the Prodigal Sorcerer from Alpha. Good for him. Um, <laughs> yeah, this one takes place in a, in a weird little corner of uh, Dominaria called Tamingazin, which uh, is in Otaria. Let's see what else we got. Ashes of the Sun. This is one of my favorites. Ashes of the Sun is all about this uh, theocratic society of Minotaurs living on the island of Stahan. And this woman who is trying to prove that goblins can be trained to master their fear. So it's pretty interesting and pretty out there and pretty far away from anything else that happens in Magic Story. But it's definitely (laughs) a good read. Yeah, the interesting thing about a lot of the early Magic Stories there is they're quite sure what they're going for. I'm not even positive how much they had uh, up until this point, how how much they had... uh, like anyone managing continuity uh i know pete venters did it when he was working on the team then but i think for like this very very early area era i'm not sure how much like how much oversight there was there definitely wasn't any like unifying direction for story yet we'll we'll talk about the anthologies uh, shortly i guess but like given the contents of those two harper prism anthologies it really doesn't seem like there's a lot of overarching uh oversight uh at this time now yeah i don't have a lot of insight into into the sort of pre pete venters era of magic story so I, yeah, I'm not sure. I'm sure that there was somebody trying to like keep some sort of coherence to things, but I don't know how much uh, how much power or oversight they really had. Right, right. Um, after Ashes of Sun is Song of Time, which takes place on the island of Almaz over in the Teresiarian archipelago. Um, that one feels like the first part of a trilogy that the rest of it didn't get made. It's kind of, uh, just kind of the first half of a story or something. Um, it's weird. It also begins during the brother's war. That's true. The opening scene is during the brother's war. And so the sort of the specter of the brother's war and sort of the fallout of the brother's war is hanging over uh, uh, modern day Dominaria. And that's actually true in the, the Greensleeves trilogy as well, right? Like, um, the the sort of really important artifact that they find the stone brain is uh this artifact that was made by the sages of latnam during the brothers war right so after song of time we get into a couple of uh, of sets that are based or a couple of novels that are based on magic sets that feel strongly connected to magic sets and those are and peace and shall sleep and peace shall sleep which is uh based on the fallen empires set and dark legacy which is based on the dark uh, so those, um, you know, and peace shall sleep, of course, takes place in Sarpedia where the fallen empires were and dark legacy takes place in Teresier during the sort of 
post-Brothers War time period called The Dark. Yeah, I'm about still halfway through and peace shall sleep that book is dense i i think at this point we can just say you've given up on it lorelei because i remember you, you've been reading that book for a no, solid I'm, two years i might finish it you don't know <laughs> yeah i mean you know for somebody who's whose online handle was sarpadian empires volume eight i think yeah. you uh you're pretty much obligated to read that book. i mean that's why i have it uh, but look I might never find out what happens to Riyadh. <laughs> he probably dies. But uh yeah, I don't I don't know. I I, I can almost guarantee the fates of just about any character in a <laughs> <Empire's> novel. <laughs> so, uh what do we have next? That's around the time the Acclaim comics start coming out, right? The Armada comics. Yeah, yeah, but there are two more Harper Prism oh. books left. Oh, that's right. And uh I think I think Lorelei should should talk about Oh, them. we talking about tapestries and distant planes now? Mhm, mhm. Yep, we are. Um yeah, so they, they published two uh, anthologies of short stories, um, Tapestries and then Distant Plains. Uh, I I love Distant Plains, except for um, the really racist one, uh, <laughs> What Leaf Learned of Goblins, I think. Really just enforces yep. goblin... Ra- it's awful story. Um, but um, a lot of the authors who wrote stuff in Tapestries got to bring their characters back. Well, not a lot. Some of the authors in Tapestries got to bring characters back in uh, for Distant Plains, like Lute Niptal. Um, I don't I don't think all the shorts are set on Dominaria. I think some are in... No, no. Most of them are. Yes. I think some of them are vague. Um, but uh, most of them will, like, drop a reference here or there to, like a card that exists in magic or a place name that existed in magic. Um, uh, and I believe they are also the first name dropping of Lord Windgrace. Yeah. Yeah. Lord Windgrace first appears in one of those anthologies. I don't recall which one off the top of my head. Oh, probably the first I one. I think it's, it's, it's in a Lute Niptal story. Yes. Um, uh, I believe he is name dropped in the first Lute Niptal story and is name dropped again in Distant Plains in a different story um, involving cat warriors. Um, but yeah, uh, so that's that's a fun fact um, because nobody <laughs> cares about like Ram or Gerhard except me. So uh, <laughs> you you care enough. You care about Vram enough for like a whole contingent of Vorthos, though. That's true. <laughs> What what you need to do is make a jigsaw puzzle with Bram on it and send it to Wizards of the Coast. Okay, so that's trickier because we don't have any pictures of her. Yeah, that that is a problem. Just a big name Bram written out. <laughs> I will get you an address, and I guarantee, like the curb to open it. Like, what is this? <laughs> what? And, and so and so and, and it's very silly because me as a person who writes uh creative text for a lot of magic sets has had opportunities to like try and get Bram in somewhere and i've squandered all of them um, <laughs> uh especially the mystical archives i really i didn't submit a sarpadian empires quote for mystical archives how did i not i'm kind I of disappointed know. in you honestly uh no i'm disappointed in me um but yeah, uh, and and those were those uh, were uh, two collections of short stories. I like them both a lot. Um, they are genuinely some of the better stories of that era. I think uh, they, mostly because they're like short and more focused. Yeah, yeah, and because they they don't suffer from the we have to turn a card game into a novel, which means we're padding out all 
a novel a lot of the times with a lot of like walking and proper nouns in a way that is yeah i guess i i feel like they're they're wildly disparate in quality oh agree some of them are just awful Uh some of them are quite good Mm -hmm. uh and everything in between really this is where we get like um asmore if i remember correctly Mm -hmm. Chef Surprise. Right, as Morano Mardica diced in a cool car yeah. is introduced in uh, yeah. Chef's Surprise. And uh, the, the Tika story is really good too, Better Mousetrap. I'm amazed that you can't pronounce as Morano Mardica diced in a cool car, Jay. You're usually so good at pronouncing things. <laughs> can't everyone pronounce as Morano Mardica diced in a cool car? I can pronounce as Morano Mardica diced in a cool car. I sure can't. <laughs> I'm not even going to stab at it. <laughs> Wow, I'm not even going to take a stab at pronouncing Asmorano Mardica Dyson a Kuldakar. I practiced it enough to be able to say it like twice when it was relevant <laughs> on the podcast, and now I'm done. So, uh, Jay, you brought up the Armada comics, just quickly running through like which ones were on Dominaria, because some of them weren't. Um, the Antiquities War comics, the Dakon Blackblade comics, the Elder Dragons comics, Fallen Empire, f- fall, uh, sorry, Fallen Empire's Fallen Angel, Ice Age, Nightmare, Sarah Angel, The Legend of Jedit O'Janan, uh, The Shadow Mage, The Urza Mishra War, and Wayfarer. Uh, no- notably, the uh, Antiquities War and Urza Mishra War were sort of replaced in continuity with the Brothers War novel mm-hmm. that came out in the late 90s. Oh yeah, I... Uh... They're very different, and also, I, uh... they don't end. There's like... You get about two thirds of the way into the war with these, and the last, the the ending was canceled. Yeah. So something that's interesting about the comics is that they're sort of connected to the very earliest Magic video games, uh, the Magic: The Gathering uh, Micropose game that's uh, nicknamed Chandelar, and then also Magic: The Gathering Battle Mage, especially, is very connected mm-hmm. to the continuity of the comics. Uh, so you you do get to find out the end of the Urza Mishra War by going to, like, Taysir's library in the <laughs> Battle Mage game and finding his book about the Antiquities War. Um, and, yeah, you, you get to get to read the ending. It's it's quite a bit different from uh, from how the, the ending was in the Brothers War novel. And there's some weird, like, details that are just weird, like Felden is Ur- Urza's son in, uh, yep. in that book. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's, there's, some, there's some weird stuff. Yeah. Uh, don't don't bother looking it up you're just going to confuse yourself it is it is very different it is it is wild i did go back uh when working on brothers or go back and read uh the the armada comics about the sets and it is wild how different they are they like uh, it's a lot of the same proper names um and events are just weird uh and disconnected they are weird comics um, it's also kind of strange, like the details that were maintained between the comics uh-huh. and, the, and the Brothers War novel. Like at some point, Urza and Mishra and Tokasia are flying around in Ornithopter and they get attacked by a rock. Like, oh no, rock attack. And they have to like hide from the rock. And that was brought forward into the novel. Like, we got to keep the rock attack. That's <laughs> <laughs> <It's> funny. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh so if readers if you're not aware armada was owned by acclaim which was a video game i don't think it claims around anymore but uh they were a video game publisher that were very very big in the 90s uh and so they owned this imprint to have like a uh cross media tie-ins and so the guy um 
Jeff Gomez actually has his own like cross media company. He was the one who was like the editor on all of these comics. Yeah, and he's he's having a lot of success with that recently with all this Ultraman stuff, which is pretty sweet. Oh, he's doing the Ultraman stuff. Uh huh. He's a he's yeah. A, yeah. Nice. Yeah, he's nice. he's been involved. Um, I think with the Netflix anime and stuff. That's I think awesome. It's on Netflix. I don't, I don't remember. He tweets about Ultraman all the time though. Uh, yes, which is neat. Um, speaking of comics and speaking of Twitter, Ethan, thank you for being one of like two people to like my Mr. Miracle and Big Barda or a T for T couple tweet. That meant a lot to me. <laughs> I had to look up what T for T meant, but uh, <laughs> I appreciated it. I appreciated it. <laughs> oh, that's the trans agenda. Um, it's working. <laughs> so, so then we get into um, the. Ethan's favorite term, the or the revisionist novels, right? Mm. Right, right, right. Jay. So yeah, Jay, there is You're not the, allowed to bully our guests like this. <laughs> <laughs> How dare you, Jay? How dare you? Right. So um when we when they started uh releasing additional novels that essentially retconned these older sources, the storyline community at the time was predictably outraged. <gasps> the first two-thirds of the Brothers War storyline that we got in the Antiquities War comics was fine, thank you very much, and we don't need your stinking novels. So they were uh, they started calling the, the new novels uh, the revision, like revisionist history or something. They were, they were quite offended. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah. So there's a there's the Weather Weatherlight Saga novels, which stretch sort of um, uh, that most of them take place during the present day, but there are some that are sort of a flashback, uh, to, and these are associated with, uh, Urza's saga block, which is sort of a flashback to Urza's whole life. Uh, so you have Wrath and Storm, which is actually a, a short story anthology. Uh, and then there's the, the Urza saga novels, the Brothers War, Planeswalker, and Time Streams and Bloodlines. That's four. Yep. There's only three sets, but, uh, we get four. Four novels. Are we are we counting um, the Thran in with those? No, the th- yeah. Why not? Thran are were Five. lumped in with the um, invasion saga. It was oh, like a okay. fourth book that came out got with it, the invasion. Mm. Uh, and then in between there, you've got uh, mask cycles: so Mercadian masks, Nemesis, and prophecy. Uh, the Thran, and then the actual invasion cycle: invasion, plane shift, and apocalypse. Um, yeah, there are some there are some classics in here. I think like the Brothers War is mm-hmm. a very bleak story, but quite good. It's a good book. Um, I'm a big fan of Time Streams. Like I think Time Streams is a super fun kind of science fiction story with a lot of magic in it. Uh, I really enjoyed that one. That's my favorite of all of actually that whole like the, the all the Weatherlight ish novels. Uh, Time Streams is the best. That's also the one coincidentally that stars Joyra, Karn, and Teferi. Who are the characters who matter, you know, now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so uh, Nemesis also, that was a really fun one. All about like the the p- power struggle on Wrath. Uh, there was also like a very short run comic series at this time. by Oh, no. Yes. Uh, Dark yeah. Horse Comics had Gerard's uh, Quest. Uh, right, yeah, it sure did. Which had flashbacks and kind of told a abbreviated version of the Wrath and Storm story. And then there were also some like very, very brief comics that were in Top Deck, which was a, a magazine at the time right. uh, for Mercadian Masks, Nemesis, Prophecy and Invasion. Right. So, yeah, they were experimenting with uh, transmedia storytelling uh, during this time. So you get sort of the same story told through a variety of media and you can kind of 
pick it up in the player's guide that came with your pre-constructed deck, or you can pick it up in this novel, or you can pick it up in these comic books. Like you can kind of experience the story, uh, whichever, whichever way you find it. And some of those were, were more successful, I think, than others. There That's is. right. There were the recaps in the player's guide. I forgot about those. The recaps in the player's guide that were like a new story, but they only really served to recap what happened in the novels. Oh, yes. Yeah. Right. But they also had the, I think, plane chase. I can't remember which invasion block set it was where they were taking some of those comics and animating them. It was all on the website yeah very very unique idea for the time but again with flash animation decayed right a little yeah bit. i think that was invasion block where they started doing those those like mini sites with mm-hmm. the the kev walker art animated yeah that's a, that's i mean that's cool but it's a shame that we have lost all that through various you know uh website migrations over time way back does not keep flash so <laughs> anything that was in flash is very difficult to navigate around um, and I believe that we, we also had a bunch of like duelist stories that were sort of connected to the weather right. as well. Yes. So there was a, there were, there was like a th- series of stories about Krovax and there was a series of stories about Sisse's adventures bef- kind of before, uh, Gerard rejoined the crew, if I recall correctly. Yeah, I think so. There was one where like she meets, Tan- recruits Tangarth and yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm remembering these. Uh, and we should also mention that there was the Mirage stories directly before this, but those were sort of like story summaries. So like the comics we were talking about got canceled around the time of Mirage because, uh, they knew they were going to be telling their own story with the Weatherlight saga. Uh, and so Mirage was one of those in between sets that we get every once in a while that just got like story summaries, but also got like some really cool or unique, I should say, Choose your own adventure style stories through uh, right. the braided novels with Mirage oh, yeah. Oasis, which you can only find by doing like Wayback Machine now. But yeah, they're, they're very right. There were two of those. Mm-hmm. They were sort of a choose your own adventure kind of thing, but it was all digital. And yeah, you could click on where you wanted to go in the story and it's kind of it would it would turn out differently depending on how you click through the story. One of them, I think, was had a, a section that was from the point of view of a brush wag, which was excellent, yes. super unique, <laughs> excellent. <laughs> yeah, it was it was very funny. That one was was really amusing. Yeah, the you could tell that the like world building team for Mirage was super interested in like doing their research on African culture and such. So it was uh, there was a lot of interesting details in there. Um, and that and that's one of the things um that's really impressive. Like I always get sad that there's no like big official story about those uh, about uh, Mirage and Visions because. Uh, the love song of night and day is a whole actual thing that was written for that like era of world building. And it's been, you know, quotes have been extracted for flavor text over the years. Uh, but the whole thing is, it's still up on, on the mothership on the wizard's website somewhere uh, from an old, old uh, article post about it, but it's long and it has like a lot of imagery in it. And it's really like neat that that was the thing that was made. Um, yeah, like it definitely felt like the the world building folks behind Mirage had artistic aspirations that were a little bit more highbrow than, you know, the sort of Star Wars inspired stuff that followed in the uh, Weatherlight song. <laughs> Are you saying Star Wars isn't highbrow? 
it's it's popular. It's popular entertainment. I mean, I love it, but uh, it is what it is. <laughs> so we should also mention alongside these, we also got the Ice Age novels, um, which were semi-sequels because they were all written by Jeff Grubb, who wrote the Brothers War novel. Uh, and they followed the story of the Dark um, and then Ice Age and Alliances and uh, Cold Snap. If I recall correctly, no, no, no. There There's no cold no snap. Cold There's no cold snap. snap. Novel. It was just, uh, yeah, it was just up to. A we did get some short stories released through a variety of media for for cold snap, but yeah, there were there were three novels. They're very good. Um, oh, the, I would they're some of I my would, favorites. <laughs> yeah, like I would feel pretty comfortable recommending those to somebody who is new to Magic: The Gathering. They're a little bit old as far as like the story style and sort of how the universe is expressed in fiction, but uh, they're quite good. Like maybe maybe if I wanted to introduce them to the the modern storyline, I would go for something like Agents of Artifice that would be more Planeswalker focused. Um, there were also some other, uh, I guess you just covered this in the last episode, the Legends novels, mm-hmm. right? So yep. three Legends, one novels, three Legends, two novels. Um, yeah. The, the Legends 1's novels were, uh, you know, trying to adapt that Legend of Jedid O'Janin two-issue comic book series into a three-novel uh, trilogy, and that was quite a challenge. <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't want to put that on anybody. Clayton Emery had some words to say about that. You can probably Google Clayton Emery Legends trilogy <laughs> and find yeah. uh, what he had to say about what was going on with that one. Uh, and then Assassin's Blade, Emperor's Fist, and Champion's Trial introduced, essentially, uh, one of Magic's greatest villains, Nicol Bolas. And uh, they were they were a lot of fun. Like, I think that uh, Scott McGuff, the author of those uh, those novels, is really has, does a great job of capturing unique voices for characters and making them very appealing. So I really like those ones. Um, and then, of course, Nicol Bolas was his sort of pet villain that he really liked and uh turned out to be one of the best villains we've had we have in magic's history Uh uh-huh it's so wild to me that like this huge character didn't really exist as a character until 10 years into magic (laughs) right he had a card he had a card and like that was it. He, there was no story content about Nicol Bolas at all, except, you know, occasional people in Hi- Harper Prism's novels using him as a swear word or whatever. That was about it. Uh, Ar- so him and Arcades Sabath were the two that never were direct, never directly appeared in the old Acclaim, co- in the old um, Armada comics. So it was like, and they knew one of the Elder Dragons died in a duel and it was speculation for like years until these novels came out as to which one it was. And then once this came right. out, it was like, oh, I guess Arcades is the one that got killed off screen. Yeah. Thanks, Christina. <laughs> she said she was sorry, at least. She did, like, she did, though. And legit, that's one of the reasons I love her, because Chromium is like, dude, you killed my sibling and I'm really pissed about this. And Christina... In an era where planeswalkers are assholes, Christina is like, genuinely, I'm sorry. He was summoned against me in a battle and I did what I had to do. But I, like, genuinely, that sucks. And I'm sorry. And I hope we can find a way forward. And of course, you know, things don't go well in the rest of that comic. But, uh... The, uh, what was also cool about those Legends 2 cycle is Scott McGow creates, like, a kind of a super trilogy of not of like a trilogy of trilogies because he's he writes 
um, the Legends 2 novels, the Kamigawa novels, and then is at least the co-writer on the Time Spiral novels, which threads this whole Umazawa and Bolas plot through all three of them. Yeah, very, very satisfying way to make the settings feel connected, even when, uh, you know, the card sets are not connected very much at all. <laughs> uh, and we have Odyssey. Yeah, yeah. So there's the Otaria saga, saga um, the, the Odyssey block novels and the Onslaught block novels, which cover the same, the same characters in the same location. So they're all kind of one giant story. Um, yeah, these take place over in Otaria a hundred years later, uh, from the invasion and mostly focus on Kamal, who's this, this barbarian who's rampaging around Otaria and, uh, the arrival of the Marari that was this wishing artifact that, uh, as it turns out was accidentally made by Karn and he sent it there. Planeswalkers are bad. Uh, <laughs> hold on. I heard it was made by Lord Mocked. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that was the greatest reveal of any magic story ever. <laughs> what a shock. Yeah, exactly. Uh, around this time, we also got a new series of anthologies. There were five anthologies, The Colors of Magic, The Myths of Magic, The Dragons of Ooh. Magic, The Secrets of Magic, and The Monsters of Magic. Uh, not all of those stories, again, took place on Dominaria. Some of them were on, you know, Mercadia or or what have you, but most of them did. And uh, some of them serve to really provide a lot of sort of deep lore backstory about some things like who was the Cabal Patriarch uh, and where did he come from? You know, uh, what's up with, um, you know, what, what happened with Yogmoth at the end of the Thran story and what's, what's up with him? Uh, you know, what, what was going on during the invasion in uh, New Argive, things like that. There's a lot of interesting details of, in there. If you're like me and want to sort of reconstruct the whole history, you get to sort of get little glimpses of lots of different places in Dominaria at lots of different times. Yeah, I, I believe one of those stories is also the source for this like big mythic battle where a bunch of demons get cast into the abyss, which is like ends up getting tied into Belzenlock's backstory, right? Yeah, there's oh. like there is a story about someone who summons a Sarah Angel and there's like a very, very brief mention. It's like one of line. like yeah, there's like one line about this angel and demon war that is that is then basically the basis for bells and lock later yeah so yeah and that's kind of how these these giant sprawling ips with a sort of shared universe work is Mm -hmm. somebody will drop a little detail and then you know 15 years later someone else will be like (laughs) hey that sounds like a cool idea for an entire series of comic books or whatever uh so it's a it's a it's a fun thing about it, and it allows the the universe to kind of expand in a way that feels very organic mm-hmm. to the fan base. Agreed. It feels like it was intentional, even if it wasn't necessarily. Oh, not at all. <laughs> I just want to take a, a, a sh- very quick reflective moment to say that other than naming it as a novel that exists, we know we didn't even say a single word about prophecy, and that says a lot about that book. Yeah. yeah the, le- the less said about the prophecy <laughs> novel, the better, I think. Actually, you know what? One one thing about the prophecy novel now that now that you've brought it up is that <sighs> it does provide a lot of insight into Keldon society. Mm-hmm. Right? Sure, Keldon society is easily the sort of best documented and most 
uh, detailed in its uh, in its world building of any in Dominaria. It's just so, why was that the book that happened there? I don't know. It's a miserable book. It's really miserable. Yeah, that was. The poor Weatherlight Saga, one day we'll get the full story publicly, uh, but the Weatherlight Saga had a lot of sudden left and right turns it had to adapt to. Uh, I think it did a pretty good job. I mean, I think did a pretty good job of managing that, but, you know. Anyway, shout out to all the Greel fans out there, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> all one that? of you. That, is, that was a good there, laugh for a very mediocre joke. Are there, are there I forgot Greel existed. <laughs> That's why. <laughs> Like, the only thing I remember is Latula. Gosh, and then we, after all that, we just, after uh, Onslaught, we just leave Dominaria for a while. Good. Right, we go into what's known as the planes hopping era, where every year we go to a different plane. Of course, nowadays we're in the really planes hopping <laughs> How era, where quaint. every set we go to a different plane. <laughs> How yeah. quaint. Am- amateurs, one a year, Psh- uh but eventually we do go back to to dominaria we get to come back for cold snap which has a few short stories both on the the website the daily mtg website Mm -hmm. uh and also in in places like the player's guide and like yep inserts that came with pre-constructed decks i I mean admit that's another thing I don't have all of. I don't think I have all the, the cold snap things with all the little weird stories. It's them. really annoying how much unique lore is in these little inserts that most people threw away. Uh, if you want to talk about tiny little details that appear in like this one esoteric document that you could build a whole set off of, Zer doesn't have a canon death and heads north to search for immortality, and I so very much want him to be like the leader of a new Merit Lage cult one day. That's oh, just like yeah. a thing that could exist. Awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So after Cold Snap, uh, we get we're kind of back to the the. Uh, sorry, Cold Snap was like a flashback to the Ice Age time period. That then, was a uh, weird set. <laughs> Look, somebody asked the magic designers to design a set in three weeks. And <laughs> <laughs> that's what they came Listen, up it's with. a really solid, uh, considering how many staples for like Commander are in there, I will, I mad respect oh, for. Oh, because when you don't have time to develop me develop your set you get a lot of very powerful cards out of it is what happens yeah everybody loves thrumming stone yeah i mean the 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 development team had time to like refine the cards but it was like the initial design they gave them almost no time at all uh, it was it was quite a scheduling uh snafu i would say i i still think the weirdest thing is announcing it as like oh we found a card file in a filing cabinet and we're gonna print it now and like the tone of that being a joke, like, just 100% didn't land. And it was, like, years until I think Rosewater was talking about it. Someone was like, yeah, this was a joke we said, and a bunch of people believed it. And I said, well, I'm one of them. Jeez. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think it was, if Rosewater had made that announcement, like, it would have been fine, I think. And it was just like, uh-huh. oh, it was Randy Bueller, not somebody who's known for, like... <laughs> Telling jokes all the time, basically. <laughs> um, yeah. So after Cold Snap, we get Time Sparrow Block. So this takes place in several areas of Dominaria. And time is all mixed up. And there's alternate universes and people falling through holes from other time periods. 
and uh, a lot of people glaring suspiciously at each other in novels. <laughs> yeah, there is that. It also features the return of uh, Joda, who is the character from the Ice Age novels we talked about before, who is one of my favorite characters in Magic. I'm very happy he's on the key art for Dominaria United. Um, but yeah, it was it was certainly something. Let me tell you, getting back into magic at a future site pre-release was certainly a decision I made. Uh, <laughs> wow. <laughs> wow. My first limited uh experience was Morning Tide, so I sympathize. Yeah. Reaper King card went not Reaper King, um Weaver King. Weaver King, yeah. Weaver King card oh, went. Everybody yeah. everybody loves Weaver King. Everybody's asking for a Weaver King card. Nobody nobody remembers this dude. Oh yeah, Weaver King. <sighs> Just like the forgotten I, I've experiment. definitely designed several Weaver King cards for several different products over the years, and none of them have made it to print. <laughs> is just like such an off-screen character in an already chaotic trilogy that has people coming and going Carry constantly. The books. That's literally called Planar Chaos. Yeah, but you don't <laughs> expect the story to be so chaotic that somebody's like mind-controlling but also pulling slivers. We know? also got some like alternate universe weatherlight stories with that. So there were a lot right, of like... Those were, those were by Michael Ryan, who was one of the original... Uh, architects of the Weatherlight Saga, yeah. uh, along with Mark Rosewater. So uh, that was super fun to, like, find out what the, like, planar chaos versions of these characters were up to and, like, how did the story go differently, but, like, told in the same voice as some of those old uh, Weatherlight stories that were in the Duelist. Yeah, like, Miri does the, deals the killing blow uh, instead of Krovax and becomes... Um, to Selenia and becomes a vampire instead is just, it's a very cool concept uh, that I, I love that they actually delivered a little bit on with the story. I think Beerend actually touched on that in his review recently where he's like, it doesn't actually like, it doesn't actually line up with how the curse works, but it's cool. Like it's <laughs> a cool thing. The curse worked different in that universe. That's all. There you go. Yeah. I, I'm a sucker for AUs like that's that. It. So I, I love it. What if things had gone different? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, obviously that's, that's a hot topic. Uh, this, this year in films, we're seeing a lot of that going Multiverses. On. Yeah. Got to bring back sliders. The, uh, the big multiverse. Show God, I was back in the day. I was talking, uh, before the show started, uh, one of my housemates and I have been talking a lot over the last, and one of my partners, I've uh, been talking a lot over the last two weeks, uh, the the AU where the Schumacher Batman films were successful and DC built a huge film empire out of that and and just casting all these characters because my 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 dream casting for Booster Gold and Ted Cord is uh, Matt Damon and Ben Affleck but very specifically in the late nineties. Oh yeah, those characters would be so at home in the Schumacher Batman exactly. universe. So like, like not only like who do you cast for these DC characters specifically in that era, but like what do those movies look like when like the Schumacher films are where those start? And it's like this is absolutely where the big team up movie is a JLI movie, right? Oh god, it's just it's very silly. I'm ready for that. Right though, <laughs> so good. <laughs> get as exciting as that is getting because that is actually i love that kind of concept but uh speaking of like who do you cast for the weatherlight movie you remember there was that weatherlight um saga poster as if it was going to be right. a movie 
I think that was an official like wizard's joke that got put out somewhere. I, yeah, they just put a bunch of movie stars' faces in the poster and published it in the Duelist. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm pretty sure Arnold Schwarzenegger didn't approve his likeness being used for Karn. <laughs> That's freedom of press, baby. <laughs> So then after Future Sight, I don't think we saw Dominaria again, at least not named until later, because we saw it with like Liliana's origin story stuff. We just didn't know it was Dominaria at the time. There right. Was- so let's let's just kind of look through that sort of early Planeswalker era stuff and see if any of it feels like the quest for Karn has some brief mentions, like Venters in that story, and he's from Dominaria. Oh, so like yeah, he'll, yep, yep. he'll be talking about like his life on Urborg and what a jerk his dad was or something. Actual good point. We do see Dominaria in um the webcomics leading up to uh Scars of Mirrodin because we do we have Elspeth and Johnny and Koth on Dominaria fighting in the Cabal pits uh, and finding Venser. So we do see like a little bit of, uh, right, we get to see some of Urborg, uh-huh. and then we see Liliana's uh, home homeland of, uh, what was it called? Um, I'll name it here. So we've got the Raven's Eye story, technically, because Liliana's backstory takes place there, although we didn't learn mm-hmm. that till later. And then we have um, Gathering Forces, uh, and I believe even some of Scarred takes place on... No, um... Scarred, Scarred they've moved. So Gathering Forces is the one where... Gathering Forces and Quest for Karn tell the same, like, intro story uh, on Dominaria. I believe part of Scarred actually does take place in New Capenna, though, so that's cool. Uh, yeah, yep, yep. Elspeth oh, flashbacks. Right. Elspeth's flashbacks. Because we get flashback to Elspeth's childhood, uh-huh. which we later find out took place in New Capenna. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Somewhere Interesting. outside that city. Uh, let's see, some other random stuff. Dragons, Worlds of Fire is a story Ooh. anthology all about dragons. And it has like a story set in the Forgotten Realms and a story set in the Dragonlands world of Kryn. And I believe there's some other Dungeons and Dragons theme story. And then also one that takes place in Dominaria. Which one is that? Weird. Um, What is the story? I read it I and I cannot tell you a single thing that happened in it. <laughs> I, I think there's names. a... There's a dragon engine left over from the Brothers War or something, and it starts wreaking havoc. It's yes, Scott it McGow. has a cool illustration. Unnatural Predator from Scott yeah. McGow. Good for Scott. Yep, yep. It stars a bunch of characters who never matter again. Yep, it's true. When you if you like are wandering around on the magic wiki, you will like encounter these characters and be like, wait, who's that again? Oh, it's another member of this adventuring party that fought the dragon engine. There's a golem named Boom. Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> it's true. You pray you praise Scott as if he isn't the namesake for Guff though. Which is it's true. Notable. <laughs> <laughs> he does he does lose several million points from <laughs> Yeah, big mood. Um, there were a couple of art books that are about Dominaria or things that became Dominaria, right? Uh, we had the Art of Magic the Gathering, the Wrath Cycle, mm-hmm. uh, which is all about Wrath, but of course during the overlay in the invasion, uh, everything on Wrath got overlaid onto Dominaria. So there's a bunch of Wrath all over Dominaria now. And of course, Art of Magic the Gathering Dominaria from the uh, 2018 Dominaria set. We, we skipped uh, over one random, random story that was a return to Dominaria in mm, 2016. Prodigal. Oh, my God. 
Prodigal sorcerers. Prodigal sorcerers. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The one where they get attacked by Talos pirates, right? Yes. Yep, yep, yep. And they're in what the about the? It was for Eternal Masters, right? It's for one of the masters. Yeah, yeah. It was yeah. One, of masters. one of the masters said the one where we reprinted Prodigal Sorcerer. EMA. Yep, Eternal Masters. What about the Joyra Uncharted Realm? Oh, that one yeah. That, yep, yep. There was also a Joyra Uncharted Realm where she um, she fights some warrior by sending him back in time. She like casts the spell. A deadly spell the day before and then sends this warrior back in time to where her spell was to win and God, i forgot the name of that story i'll bug in one more which nobody will like but needs to be said magic the gathering tactics which features technically johnny jason chandra on dominaria preparation in 2013 is the name that was a modern master's story preparation right um magic and, the gathering tactics. and tactics <laughs> that is the most carry answer to but, but i have i do remember caps. trying to find any information i could from tactics it's as we all working on non-canonical it's all and i was i remember i found a map of Teresier or a map of new argive mm-hmm. and i i like as i was working on the the Teresier map i had this map from tactics i was like well here's one of the few things i have from tactics this weird map and so i like stretched it and lined it up with with the map i was working on because <laughs> i uh, i did a lot of a lot of work on the dominaria map that we published in 2018 a lot and, of work uh, he says as if he didn't like create most of it <laughs> I, I I did I did the middle part of making the map uh, and uh, yeah and fair. yeah and the 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 tactics map was one of the things that I was looking at I was like everything here makes sense except there's one city that doesn't make any sense it doesn't line up with anything I can explain and so I I just decided that that's where the core haven from the nemesis map <laughs> landed during the overlay that's perfect I love it. Uh, some other weird random Dominaria places. Uh, War of the Spark Forsaken has a, a big scene in Dominaria where Liliana gets gets like impersonated by some bad guys. Uh, yeah, yeah, a cabal wizard, a, a cabal person impersonates her because uh, no one knows what she looks like. They just know there's that curse of Vess there uh, and she's a necromancer. So she 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 sells it. There's a there's a gin involved. There's a whole there's a whole stuff that happens there. Sure does. Uh, did Chandra go there in the Chandra comics? Maybe I think she. Did. <sighs> I'm trying to remember. Briefly, she she like hopped around yes. for a bunch of yes. yes she she was rescuing some elves from some thalids. I remember that. Yeah, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. got it. The thalids yes. were getting riled for some reason. They I don't do know that. what they have to be mad about. <laughs> there, uh, uh, the boom comics visit there briefly. I just like the idea that it's like 4,000 years later and elves are still trying to eat thalids because nobody ever learns anything. I mean, thalids were designed to be delicious to elves, so who can blame them, really? I mean, it's true. I mean, the thalids... So there were some short stories in some (laughs) game guides. Uh, The official guide to Urza's saga, the official Urza's legacy game guide, and the official Urza's destiny game guide... Uh, each includes a short story written by Will McDermott, I believe. Yeah. One of them had the story where Teferi proposes marriage to Joyra and is turned down. Yeah, those. I think that was what I was referring to earlier, is they're like, 
they sum up it's like a short story that sums up the novel that took place before it or yeah these these stories were different from the ones uh for for the wrath cycle these ones were just different stories that aren't anywhere else uh they're just like minor little little tales that have some thematic connection to the set but uh we're we're all different uh and then there was another one in that same series of books the official guide to portal second age which has the most detailed information about Kalamon, the setting of Portal yeah, Second Age, yeah. that you can find anywhere. I think Gun we, book. I think we hunted down one of those because it had all that information <laughs> years ago for the the podcast and our little conspiracy chat. We were like, yeah. what, "What is actually said about these guns? Let's see what we can find out." As it turns out, even the most detailed explanation of the Kalamon setting is not very detailed. <laughs> uh, we were just talking see. about them the other week, talking about how, you know, everyone's going after the Black Blade instead of just going and getting a gun and shooting Bills and Locke. <laughs> <laughs> there were some calendars that had some very useful information for cartography nuts like myself. Um, one of the calendars had a map of Irona. One of them had a map of northwestern Jamura, and one of them had a map of Teresier during the Brothers War. So I'm so glad that I'm so glad that calendars were the chosen medium to disseminate that information. Yeah. Yeah. You know? Nowadays they just drive us crazy with uh unreleased planeswalker art. <laughs> but but the worst part is one of my earliest contributions to the Magic the Gathering wiki was getting that map of Teresier and using, what, like an iPhone 3 or iPhone 4? Horrible scanning app to just, like, slowly hold it over my parents' living room floor and upload it to the wiki, <laughs> and that was... Well, I personally thank you, because that, that map was... <laughs> that scan of yours was very valuable to me when I was making my map. It was to replace the Phyrexia watermarked one that lived there for the longest time, oh, so... Phyrexia.com, you know... That was a, an early Vorthos website that I don't believe is still up anymore. Has it, it finally it goes, gone down? It goes up and down sometimes. Occasionally, it'll still be up. It'll, it'll be up randomly. Um, you can find it in Wayback Machine, but it's very hard to navigate because you can't do any searching of the site. Mm. You just have to kind of click Small. through every thread and read everything in there, which I did in order. <laughs> because i was like because there's so many things in the wiki that i was like where did this even come from it must mm -hmm. be a phyrexia.com thing i gotta it must have been something scott mcguff posted in phyrexia.com in 2006 or whatever literally yes that's how we find out one of the places that nicol bolas takes ramsey's overdark is segovia wow <laughs> messed up uh <laughs> So yeah, as as we were as we were working on the Dominaria set, we kind of explicitly drew a line where like, okay, stuff people posted, you know, Pete Venters or Scott McGuff posted on forums. We're mm -hmm. not counting that as canon. We're like, this, <laughs> I, they they might they they might have believed that at one time, but if they didn't put it into print somewhere, we are not gonna find ourselves beholden to it. Yeah, uh, there's only so much word of God that we <laughs> that anyone can take. Yeah, and it's just like you know, it, it feels like it feels like something that hasn't been like vetted through an editorial process in uh -huh. some way is is less official, I guess. Oh, you mean just like uh, what was it Jeff Lee's old fan site that people oh. swore has like there's some worth those who still swear by it. 
Right, right. This so, guy. you know, we wouldn't have the Elder Dragon War, I think, if it wasn't for Jeff Lee's uh, website. I'm pretty sure that's where that started. So sometimes these things do work their way into the canon if they're cool <laughs> enough. Speaking speaking of this, uh, where can I read the magic stories about Guybrush Threepwood? Oh, yeah. That, that guy. my favorite. <laughs> the famous planeswalker. <laughs> favorite thing is an old LucasArts. The joke only makes sense if you were around in the 90s and played Monkey Island games. Uh, it's less obvious a decade later when people are copying lists of planeswalkers wholesale, not checking them, and don't know who Guybrush Threepwood is. Yeah, yeah, it's a little little harder to catch that joke uh, yeah. in this time and place. It's like well, that, that's it's like, because we got Guybrush Threepwood removed from the wiki eventually. It's like what if twenty years from now someone was re- referencing Carrie's uh, internet? Oh, anything content. I said, no. Yeah, don't do that. <laughs> Uh, so I'm fairly certain we still missed some things. Like there's a there was a whole website around right, we missed the, all Mage the online game. Sources. Oh my god! Yeah. Uh, but if this is really interesting to you, definitely check out Biren Boer's website, Multiverse and Review, where he covers literally everything from the beginning of Magic Story up through the mending. I don't know if he's gotten into the Lorwyn stuff yet. I think he was taking a break and evaluating if he wants to <laughs> continue. Uh, which yeah, I, 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 don't I think he's about to he's about to do Lorwyn, but he hasn't done that yet. I mean, so th- there is some official magic web fiction for sets that takes place in Dominari. We have Liliana's origin story uh, from Magic Origins. Um, I believe that was James Wyatt who did that one. Yeah, that was um, a retelling of the Ravens. Eye. Yeah, um, there's the Dominaria set story um, by Chronicles um, of Bolas. Yes, Chronicles of Bolas 2 by uh, Kate Elliott. Um, ah, Kate Elliott and Martha Wells, they're great. Martha Wells, that's, I, I knew, I was like, M-M something, Martha Wells, uh, who did the Dominaria story. She, yeah. Immediately um, after that, she um, she did the Murderbot stuff, which got huge, huge press, and that's such good books. Um, she won She won the Hego, like, not long after that story, got the mm-hmm. Dominaria story. I think it was for Murderbot, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Murderbot is like, what if... Uh, the Terminator got bored and just wa- wanted to be left alone and watch TV. Like that's 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 the the gist of this amazing. So the sci-fi. back the backstory in uh, Terminator Dark Fate. Got it. <laughs> Why are you laughing? That movie was legitimately good. Oh, here's here's one that we missed. There's a there's a battle Magic the Gathering battle mage game guide that I have. That has a tremendous amount of backstory about like Ravidel and Taysir. Uh-huh. And the, it's basically the entire Magic the Gathering story up until that point told in in rather breathless prose. Is that the story of Battle Mage Ravidel? Is that like the yes. name? Yes. So that it was is, it is the same the same story that was on the Acclaim website. Yeah, okay. But it's it's like slightly different. It's it's oh, been I edited love that. by somebody. <laughs> so it's like I'm <laughs> not sure which is like the rough draft and oh, which is the final no. version. I suspect that the I suspect that the published one has been has had an editing pass. So uh but yeah, just like really, really, really wild uh uh backstory there. Not as not as breathless as the one for the Chandelar game, though. That one we don't need to go into because it's not about Dominaria, but oh my goodness. The Chandelar backstory is silly. The five or six pages in the game guide that 
bridges the comic book and the video game. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. I love it. Well, I personally love it for reasons I can no longer discuss as because <laughs> I can't. <laughs> I loved it for back when I could speculate. I, I, so, I don't I love mean, it anymore. Just in terms of like history of the fandom, like literally the Chandelar game guide is the reason me, Jay, and Carrie kind of started the podcast. Long story short, uh, it is one of the sources that uh, crossed paths with a couple other things we were looking at that led to a whole article about uh, Limb Duel and the Raven Man, which got the three uh-huh. of us talking. I and then we love the, the Limb Duel Raven Man article. Oh, it's great. Yeah, whoever wrote that, it was a real nut job, though. Like, that is like full tinfoil <laughs> hat stuff there. It's I'll not say. full tinfoil hat. You don't have any sources we cited for that? <laughs> Unnecessary amount. <laughs> Some interesting websites. Uh, like obviously, there are there were short stories released at various times associated with the magic sets uh, that they that they you know around the release. Mm-hmm. But um, some other interesting ones. There's a, a website called Encyclopedia Dominia, mm-hmm. which mm-hmm. was sort of it's a sort of a bunch of encyclopedia entries about various things in the multiverse most of them on dominaria but some stuff about rabia and other places uh this i believe this material was being compiled by pete venters to make some sort of coffee table book that uh didn't didn't make it to fruition but a lot of the a lot of the material that was going to be in there uh, made it to the website for Encyclopedia Dominia and the Duelist Online. And so, there's he developed a lot of stuff for an RPG that never happened. Like that's the origin of the globe, if I remember correctly. After talking to Pete, right there was there was a uh, Magic the Gathering role playing game that was in development in the mid '90s, and uh, and yeah, so the a lot of Dominaria's world building. Uh, sort of came out of that they wanted to set the world up in a way that would make it conducive to uh, Dungeons and Dragons style role-playing games so the different regions are sort of uh, level locked essentially like Arona is a region that's appropriate for low-level characters because it's not too dangerous there Uh, and then like Mid-level characters would have fun in Shiv because it's volcanic and there's dragons everywhere, so it's pretty dangerous. Uh, but Theresier is mostly underwater and all the good stuff is sunken to the bottom of the ocean, so you need to be a really high-level character to be able to access that area. Uh, that kind of stuff. That's also why Dominaria is so big. It's like two and a half times the size of Earth. Uh, yeah, so... Um, yeah, I've, I've seen a draft of that role-playing game and it is definitely a uh product of its time i I (laughs) think if we if we released it now it would it would probably not get very uh good reviews because it is uh it's a it's a product of that time period of of uh role-playing game design and is not not up to current standards that's okay because you don't have to release it now because if you really want magic the gathering role-playing games you just make a D book about it like we've gotten for what <laughs> theros and strixhaven and ravnica now so yeah it's super fun to be able to see like these things like i designed a magic card and we made the magic card and then now it has a stat block in D. it's kind of a trick uh-huh but there has been another rpg that touches dominaria oh yep there's one more source there's one more source that's right banalia and shiv and talaria uh 
and their tyranny under Vashvarga and Magic yep. the Gathering Legends. Yep, introduced a whole new Planeswalker, Magic Legends. And nobody will ever remember. Yeah, the short-lived and lamented Magic Legends. Didn't even make it out of beta. I'm still, I'm still a little, you just hurt me, Carrie, a little. I, 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 I'm, every time I start healing and you bring it up, because you're the only <laughs> other person who remembers it. I mean, I remember it, I just don't talk about it, because I had a bad time playing it. Yeah, I, I powered through it in the final days so that I could enjoy the story. I appreciated that there were homerids in it. I just, I sat Arjun down, I showed him what to press, and he just went wild on it. He loved it. He, loved it. he was so hurt when it was canceled. I'm like, he's like, can I play the Magic Legends game? I'm like, it, it doesn't exist anymore, buddy. He's like, oh. It's like, oh, no. <laughs> anyway, we are at almost uh, an hour and 10 minutes, so... Uh, we should probably wrap up here. Yeah, Agreed? let's wrap it up. Agreed. As much fun as having Ethan on is, because it's always fun chatting with Ethan. We've all got to eventually find a way to get together in person. I think I had dinner. I had uh, me and Lorelai had a lunch with you, Ethan, and Shivam and Kelly Diggs. And oh, that like lunch. One yeah. or two other people. Uh, which was oh, amazing. There were like eleven people at that lunch. That's true. There were. Uh, that's. I'm sorry if you were there, and I'm forgetting you were there. It's because there were legitimately like a lot of people there. But we got to do something. Also, like that it was like weekend. six years ago. So <laughs> correct. <laughs> it was two children ago for me. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Just about. It was two genders ago for me. I think <laughs> was like three. I think it was twenty. It was before Dominaria. It was before I was a freelancer. So. Probably twenty eight, early twenty eighteen. Um, all right. Well, let's move on to some final thoughts. All I'm going to say is Miss Marvel was amazing. I've loved this character. Uh, it is no spoilers for the last episode. I haven't seen it yet. It was me a either. really good. It was a really good translation of the comic book for the character. Uh, I loved every second of it. Um, uh, shout out though to Ms. Marvel because uh, there's a, a, a stock shot of downtown Jersey City, and you can see my old apartment in episode one. So, well, I'm gonna have to watch episode one again, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's not that important. Uh, show is very good though. I am. I'm probably not gonna finish it uh, till like, next week, probably where my schedule is. Uh, but if we're talking about good uh, superhero shows, uh, I have I have finally gotten access to uh, Justice League Action, which was a one season, um, eleven minute cartoon episode thing uh, that aired on Cartoon Network, and it's really fun. Um, they go goofy with it. It it has. It's not as silly as Batman the Brave and the Bold, but it's getting there. Uh, and most importantly, in like a 15 ep- or 52 episode series, like eight of the episodes heavily feature Booster Gold. So I'm happy. My final thought is, I don't know, what we do in the shadows is oh, back. It's back. Yeah. It's- yeah. And I watched the latest two episodes and very good. Um, but that and I'm binging Pop Team Epic. Both are very good. That's my final thought. I've I've heard very good things about uh, the what we do in the shadow show. I have not gotten, I have not found time to watch it yet, but it is uh, on my list at some point. Today. The related Wellington Paranormal is also very good. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're all the in the what we do in the shadows verse, which I love, even though it's like a 
New Zealand show versus the American semi reboot, which does take place in the same universe. But Wellington Paranormal is like, what if Mulder and Scully were just completely and utterly incompetent? Like, <laughs> I, I don't know how much X Files you watch, but Mulder's pretty incompetent. <laughs> no, I yes, I know, but hilariously so. Yeah, it, it follows two Wellington police officers who investigate the paranormal and are just very Excellent. very bad at it. Excellent. Well, while we're recommending TV shows here, I guess I should recommend uh, the best show I've seen recently, which is Gentleman Jack on HBO. This is the based on the true story of a early 19th century English woman who is basically a, uh, a rake and a rogue and dresses in amazing waistcoats and seduces women and eventually marries another uh, high-class woman to the scandal of everyone in the town. And uh, basically is just um, extremely uh, forthright and very uh, bullheaded and goes, you know, straight ahead, gets what she wants. And then is just a total hypocrite. Like her sister tries to marry somebody who's like one tenth of a social class below her. Like he works for a living. You can't marry him. <laughs> uh, so her, her hypocrisy is just absolutely hilarious and charming. And uh, it's a great show. So check that out. Uh, if you think you'd be interested in, in watching women wearing amazing waistcoats and top hats uh, flaunt society's rules. I don't, do I sound, do I seem like the kind of person who'd be interested in lesbians and waistcoats? Come on. You'd hate that. You'd I hate, hate that. that. No, that sounds great. <laughs> I haven't heard, uh, I haven't heard a whole lot about it, but I've heard very good things about it. Uh, I yeah. Also, mostly heard that it just got canceled. Um, yeah, it did. It did get canceled, which is sad. But uh, there's a lot of it to you know. There's two seasons worth to watch, which is oh. uh, two more seasons about 19th century lesbians than you're likely to get anywhere else. So there's that. All right. Uh, so I guess uh, we we are gonna gonna roll into the end of this episode here. Uh, so th- uh, thank you again, Ethan, for coming on. This was a fantastic episode. Very fun for journalistic integrity. It has to tie into the episode surrounding it we've been talking about dominarian history um uh in, in, to gear up for dominaria united so uh if you hear the summaries in uh either last week or the coming weeks and you want to track down some original sources for that this is the episode to come to um that's the best I could do as a tie-in. But how can you tell them that here? Because they've already listened to this episode. They know that. Yeah, I look, I'm just trying to make sense of everything that is going on in our scheduling when we don't have endless preview seasons or magic sets. So <laughs> That's the first time I've heard anyone make that complaint in a long time. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't say that was a complaint. I just said we have to feel... It is a blessing. Let's, <laughs> let's be clear. Thankfully, it's happening right before the most lore dense plane magic has. So, no, like, <laughs> times to cover things. I, I do appreciate the time that we have to get into the nitty gritty of Dominaria. Like, look, we can only have this episode happen because we have time right now. Uh, it's great having you back on the show, too. Uh, you're, a, you're a wonderful guest. It's always great to have you on. So, thank you again for coming. Uh, and listeners, uh, if you want to, uh, 
continue supporting this wonderful show that brings ridiculous deep lore knowledge uh, and some practical things, too, I would hope, um, to to your ears, uh, you can head over to patreon.com slash the Vorthoscast. And everyone who supports us gets access to our Discord community where Vorthoses from around the world are taking it easy uh in 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 this summer between sets um but uh, uh apparently i saw uh that uh weekly mtg is gonna be next uh the next uh weekly mtg is gonna be some early dominari united previews so that's exciting um and so uh if, if you want i should to... probably mention that i led the vision design for dominari united. <laughs> i should have mentioned that at the beginning Hell i'm yeah. excited i want some previews for dominaria united i'm ready I I am a hundred percent ready for Dominar United previews. Uh, everything I know about the set has me very excited, and I'm very excited to learn the rest of it. So, uh, you know, if if you are a Vorthos out there and uh, you're like, oh, another Dominaria set, and you want to have a community of people uh, to get excited about, now is the time to get in uh, and and let that hype train build and get excited with all of us because I think this is going to be a really really fun one. Um, yeah, let's, let's stop there. That is where I'm stopping. <laughs> Excellent. I'm just making sure. <laughs> Thank you all for listening. <laughs> this has been the Vorthos Cast.